Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. Today, I'm joined by Managing Editor James Kleiman to talk about CoStar's interest in buying Realtor.com, the one-day mortgage launched by Better.com, and the move by one of the top-performing teams at Loan Depot to Revolution Mortgage. James, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, we're back. How's it going? We're back. I love having you on twice in a week because so much is happening that it's awesome to get caught up with the mortgage and real estate news by having you on. So thank you for making the time. So the first thing is we had some really interesting uh, news this week about CoStar um, and Realtor.com and, and and then a Zillow exec talking about it. So walk us through that story. Yeah, this is a real big one. Uh, so I, I believe it was Tuesday night, uh, Reuters and the New York Times separately reported that Rupert Murdoch was considering or had been in talks, is maybe still in talks, uh, to part with Move, which uh, of course is really kind of like the real estate uh network of companies within Murdoch's uh, very large empire and the potential buyer, none other than CoStar. And CoStar, as most of the listeners probably know, is a massive, massive, massive player in uh, especially the the commercial real estate data side of things. Um, But they've increasingly been uh, really gunning for the residential data space. And so they've made a bunch of acquisitions in, in the recent past, they have, by the way, for those who don't know, they have much more money than Zillow. So everybody knows Zillow, right? And, and people talk about like, you know, it's almost become like the Google, like, oh, I'm Googling this, I'm Zillowing this, right? Like I'm, it is sort of like your, your natural functional, uh, I'm going to check out residential real estate. This is the platform. This is the portal that I use. I look on Zillow. Um, but Zillow has had struggles. <laughs> it's fair to say the iBuying gamut did not go well. And CoStar has made a lot of very shrewd moves. And they have, uh, I don't know if I would say a monopoly on the commercial real estate data side of things, but but they're easily number one in the space. And they think that they can provide a better user experience that they can provide a better, and this is really important, Sarah, a better opportunity for real estate agents on the residential side with the portal. So they have a portal. It is called homes.com. I don't know that it really has the stickiness that um, that a realtor.com has or that a Zillow.com has. Um, it's just, it's not as well known. They also have apartments.com. And so the news broke from the New York Times and Reuters that the negotiations would have valued would value uh, realtor.com which is kind of the flagship of the move um, you know brand at about 3 billion dollars now Murdoch acquired it some odd years ago for about 965 million dollars and um, <laughs> you know there's a, there's a conference going on here in New York uh, Inman Inman Connect and Spencer Raskoff, the former CEO of Zillow, was on a panel, and and the news had just broken, of course. And so, you know, he's asked about it, and he says, "I, I think three billion is probably pretty low for for Realtor.com," and I think he's right, actually. I really do think he's right. So, 
I probably mentioned this once or twice on the podcast. My personal preference, I like Realtor as a portal more than Zillow. I find it more functional. I find the layout a lot easier. I, I think the search functionality is stronger. I also like knowing if it's in contract, when it went in a contract. Um, it's just, to me, it's it's more user-friendly, which is interesting because you know the whole value prop of Zillow traditionally has been like, we're user focused, like we're user obsessed. And, and I think you know, that that's certainly true that Zillow is, has um, gone toe to toe with brokerages, um, you know, MLSs, and, and they've, they've always said, you know, we believe in data transparency. Um, but my personal preference, of course, and this is all it is, um, is just that it's a better user experience. And so let's say that this deal goes through. Let's say that CoStar, which has, I mean, a ton, a ton, a ton of money, I think it's it's something like it's thirty something billion in a market cap. Um, let's say they spend three three and a half billion dollars and they acquire Realtor.com outright. Suddenly they're number two in the Resi portal game, and they're getting much closer. Realtor.com has about ninety million uniques per month. Not not in the same stratosphere as Zillow, but definitely the clear number two. They also have apartments.com that could be integrated. Maybe they decide to fold all of this into homes.com. I think it would probably be the opposite just because people know the brand realtor.com, but it gives them a huge jump. And if I were Zillow, I would be a little bit worried. Certainly this, this would probably move them forward a few years ahead of schedule. So my question is, you know, you talked about the important part of that is the realtor experience, right? The real estate agent experience could be better. And we know that is key. So why do you think that would be better um, in this sort of move than what they get on Zillow? So for those who haven't followed the the saga of brokerage in New York, it, it is like a really, really silly kind of um, <laughs> almost like like it's families fighting. It's it's a soap opera, exactly. <laughs> and and basically their their longstanding fights prevented an MLS, a proper MLS from ever having being built. And so Zillow, you know, through Street Easy gained entry into New York and that became the de facto MLS. And so what they do is their whole business model, and especially now, um, since iBuying failed, is they make money from realtors. That is how they make money. That's that is the business, right? And so, if you want to be a premier agent, if you want to be, you know, associated with a listing, even if it's not exactly your listing, uh, controversial stuff over the years, Zillow, um, you know, they, they've gotten a lot of pushback on how they're taking money from agents. They charge them, you know, big money to have any rental listings in New York on Street Easy. They've they've been in the eyes of some very unfriendly to the real estate agent even though it's their customer, you know, because they have the 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 eyeballs, they have the the consumers, they have a captive audience. And if you talk to the folks at CoStar, they say, "We don't think that's the right approach. We want to partner with agents. We want to, you know, make this um more friendly to them. You know, our, our goal is to further the business of the real estate agent. And, um, you know, they, they definitely, I think from a business sense, they know that that's a good avenue to take. 
because Zillow has engendered a lot of, um, you know, hurt feelings on the part of real estate agents over the years across, you know, a, a bunch of different, um, you know, programs and platforms. So I think there's a big opportunity. And, and if they end up getting realtor.com, you know, that is a lot more visibility for agents and for different partnerships and programs that they could use, uh, you know, if, if the deal goes through. Fascinating story. And from so many different angles, I love your, your backstory on, you know, Zillow. We know that, that when Zillow came on the scene, there was huge, huge, uh, feelings about them from real estate agents, good and bad, mostly bad at the time. Maybe they've rehabilitated that with agents since then. Yeah. You know, it's funny, but we, we spoke, House & Wire spoke to, uh, to Andy Florence, who's the, the CEO and co-founder of CoStar back in, I want to say it was like December of 2021. And, and we asked them, okay, so, so you want to be the de facto number one uh, player in the resi data space well, you know, you have to address Zillow. Zillow would seemingly have, you know, a grip on home buyers. But his perspective was really interesting. He he basically said, you know, Zillow's got 226 million unique visitors or whatever. They're basically peeping toms. You know, he, he, his perspective was we're we're attracting actual home buyers. We're attracting actual real estate agents, um, and the people that that use Zillow are 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 just like like browsing. You know, like they're they're just they're like fantasy shopping or they're, they're, you know, they're not serious. They're not actual people who are, you know, someone you can make money on. <laughs> um, and so, you know, they've, they've definitely, um, definitely positioned themselves as being a lot more user-friendly than, uh, you know, Zillow, which, you know, people say, agents say, uh, you know, has basically made money off like consumer confusion. <laughs> And so I, I think that could be a real, real opportunity and, and, and it makes for a lot of intrigue in this space too, you know, and it also, I think probably means it comes down to the two of them at this point, you know, and the other major portal out there is Redfin. Redfin as a company is also struggle that also uh, took a stab at eye buying, not at the level uh, that, you know, <laughs> that others have, um, but you could see, you know, a leapfrogging of, of, uh, you know, realtor or, or a leapfrogging of, um, of Redfin if an acquisition of realtor.com goes through. So that would probably be pretty tough sledding for Redfin as well. Great points. You know, uh, one of my favorite accounts on Twitter is uh, Zillow Gone Wild. And um, it's somebody who spends their time looking at, um, a, a huge number of listings and bringing us the the ones that will just really make you go what in the world like you know one one of them was a former i guess he owned a mannequin factory or something and he he had like oh, uh haunting yeah it was haunting so every room was staged with mannequins who had been dressed up but in a very creepy way like stuff like that anyway um so there is a whole subgenre of like peeping on zillow i i i'm part of it so i can say it Realtor.com gone wild. Yeah. <laughs> we will Our wait next to natural see. competitor on, on Twitter. <laughs> Maybe it could be like Andy Florence's uh, like alt Twitter account. <laughs> okay. People are taking notes right now. They're like, I want to do that. Uh, well, we've got <laughs> lots of other things to talk about. So mostly in the mortgage space. So let's talk about some other things that uh, came up better.com, right? They launched a one day mortgage. What do we know about that? Well, <laughs> not exactly. Um, that this requires, 
uh, a little bit of nuance here. So, you know, better, I, I think a lot of people are probably familiar with the story. You know, they're probably best known for self-inflicted injuries than they are for being a mortgage company at this point. You know, if like my wife does not work in, in a, you know, mortgage or, or business or anything like that. And, and if I asked her like, Hey, you know, you know, that company better.com, she'd say, Oh, is that the one where they fired all those people on a zoo meeting? Yeah. Yeah. What about them? I know that, company. you know, like right. the, the next thing you think about would probably not be, Oh honey, they actually did this really cool thing, or maybe they did a cool thing. Um, but turns out that is potentially what they did here. So, so let, let's, let's break this down. So yesterday, uh, better.com, which has been struggling for many months, has lost hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, they announced that they would be doing basically a one day, 24 hour mortgage approval and could do closings in three days. And this would be for conventional conforming, you know, standard vanilla, Fannie, Freddie, 97, LTV, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, 3% down all 50 states. And um, it it got a lot of attention. You know, the, the Garg, this EO announced this at Inman Connect on Wednesday. And, you know, at the beginning when, when he was announced and, and uh, joined the moderator on stage, like people left, people walked out because he's, he's, um, a bit of a pariah in the industry, I think it's fair to say. And when he announced this, actually, there was applause. So <laughs> I, I think that maybe speaks more to the fact that a lot of people in the housing space in general have been frustrated at how long it takes to do a mortgage. You know, like the average is still well over a month. That said, um, we talk to mortgage lenders, executives, loan officers, LOs, as we call them every day. And at a lot of shops, that's, that's not true. You know, any really good mortgage lender out there right now, if they take more than 30 days to do, you know, a pretty conventional conforming government loan, anything like that, you didn't choose the right one. Right. Like there's no reason at this point, unless it's a super weird property and like the appraiser doesn't show up or there's, you know, some problem with title or something like that. Right. A lot of them can absolutely do a mortgage in a little over a week. And that number seven is significant. And I'll, I'll get to that in a second. But, but so basically what, what better is saying is we have this technology partnership with Palantir. Technologies, which is uh, you know the the big kind of a- analytics engine from the the Peter Thiel uh, universe uh, of people, I guess, who have blood of children for breakfast and, and whatever. <laughs> um, but um, but nevertheless, um, and and basically what they say is we, we can we can create these processes whereby we're able to pretty much automatically get all of our ducks in a row so that investors can know immediately that, you know, everything is, is set correctly. And then on the other side of it, we have created, you know, a digitization process where instead of having the user or the borrower, you know, try to find everything and, and going through all their documents and like uploading things and taking screenshots on, on, you know, or, or finding paper documents and, and sending them in or photocopying or whatever that they have, you know, the, the engine built where they can get third parties 
And those third parties can, you know, quickly verify and order things correctly and make sure that everything, you know, in the process is done lickety split. And, and if that's true, and if all of these things are absolutely what they say they are and can be done, uh, you know, that's, I believe they said it would, it would be something like 65% of betters originations, you know, uh, were, were of this profile, you know, and if the borrower is quick and can, you know, get through the system, they can move just as quickly and they can staff it, you know, to the point where they have someone available 24 seven, you know, if I, I don't know that many people who need a mortgage in like three days and are that desperate, but I guess if that is, uh, you know, something that, that occurs out there, then cool. You know, this is, this is maybe worth taking a shot at. Uh, however, there are some, I guess, kind of like, I don't want to say confusing elements to it, but things that didn't quite track. So when, when I talked to the LOs and the executives, all they're like, okay, great. That sounds basically like a pre-approval better insists. It is not a pre-approval. You know, anyone can do a pre-approval in like 24 hours at this point, right? Like, it's just like, Hey, are you breathing? Do you have a job? <laughs> You're pre-approved, right. right? You know, and then there's a big asterisk that says like, oh, also like you have to have this, this, and this, and this, and this, and it's all subject to all these changes, right? So, so better insist that it is 100% a proper approval, and the rest of it is just getting the underwriting done, and that you know they're they're complying with all federal and state uh, laws. Well, remember when I talked about that week? being important. Well, the reason it is important is because the federal government in their infinite wisdom said, you know, maybe we shouldn't have a system where people can get a mortgage in a single day. Maybe they need a little time to think about it. Maybe they need a little time. It's called TRID, very sexy acronym. Uh, <laughs> oh no, TRID is like, TRID. listen, we we are very familiar with TRID. Right. I spent the first two years at Housing Wire doing nothing but but writing about TRID. Oh God. I yeah. can't believe you're still here. Um, my my <laughs> eyes would have fallen out. I, would, I don't think I would have survived. But nevertheless, so TRID requires a seven day period. Now, better. I'm going to read this statement here because I, I happen to have it. Um, better says, you know, it, it is it is absolutely complying on on you know all of the requirements here, but. Um, they, they essentially said a customer can receive their loan estimate and start the seven-day TRID required waiting period during pre-approval, the three-day waiting period to consummate the mortgage, stop myself there, <laughs> starts after receipt of the initial closing disclosure, which can happen the same day as the commitment letter is issued. The borrower would wait until the later of the required seven days or the required three days to close the loan, meeting the t- TRID requirements. So the waiting period of the loan estimate and the closing disclosure do not need to stack back to back. If the loan estimate is issued early enough in the process, so it elapses on or before the three-day waiting period elapses, we are able to close the loan as soon as three days from issuing the commitment letter. So it's not quite three days, right? Just to be clear about that. Um, you know, it's, it's basically three days when the CD, uh, you know, w- after issuing the CD and the contract is signed. You know, there, there are still questions about title, attorney review, appraisal, right? Like, do you know anybody in this space who's like, yeah, man, I got the appraisal like the next day. He was there yeah. before I hung up the phone. It just doesn't happen. I know that they have uh, sped up a little bit on the appraisal side over the last year since, you know, a lot of the lockdowns and a lot of, uh, you know, the kind of the, the COVID legacy stuff is, um, is kind of worn, worn down a little bit. But 
but appraisers just do not move that fast. Title insurance does not move that fast. Attorney review in a lot of places does not move that fast. And who needs a mortgage in three days? Right. So, well, again, a lot of questions here, I, but but it's it's interesting, absolutely interesting. It is interesting, and you know, we're we're always saying, you know, hopefully someone makes the process better and innovative. So we want to give kudos to that. At the same time, you know, the whole what the federal government said, what the regulators said that the whole point of TRID was, was to give people the opportunity to shop around, uh, shop mortgage lenders. But we know that consumers don't do that that much. It's not like, no, oh, you know, I, I'm going to go through the hassle of like, I'm going to go through with like four or five different and really, you know, even understand what it is they're looking at to compare apples to oranges, right? Because if someone's writing it down in a different way or giving you points or whatever, but that was, that was the whole intention. I'm not sure that that ever got accomplished, but you do have to wonder how does that work here if you're sort of racing to the end um, of that? You know, is there any is there any sort of competitive nature there? But again, I'm not sure anybody did that very much anyway. Yeah, um, I, I think if if they were to be trying to supersede the, the trade process, the regulators would very 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 quickly uh, say, hey. <laughs> excuse me, hello, uh, no, 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 you, you cannot do this. Um, so maybe, maybe years from now, we'll, we'll think that this is, you know, these regulations are an obstacle toward people, right. you know, uh, getting, getting uh, the, the home buying process accomplished more quickly. Um, I do think that, that certainly if this technology is as uh, responsive and as smart, you know, that they're using a lot of machine learning, a lot of AI, and for all the promise that that carries, it's not bulletproof. It's not, you know, mistakes definitely get made. Did you see there was, there was, um, I can't remember the company, but they had like an AI uh, journalism article. Oh, yeah. And, and the whole thing was like completely wrong. And, and they had to rewrite the whole thing. And, you know, it's AI is not right now, it, you know, it's not, it's not the finished article. Good, good point. And I agree with you that, you know, after going through so much headache to get TRID implemented, I can imagine that they're going to be looking at that and making sure that, you know, the regulators, um, better.com itself, I'm sure was uh, very aware of that. So we'll see. That's an interesting story that we're going to continue to look at. I do think it's interesting that Vishal Garg, when he started, people got up and left. And then by the end, he had at least won some people over. I mean, got to give kudos to the guy for yep. that. That's huge. Yeah, and, and you know what? If, if you look at better and where they are in the market, they've fallen to number 42 on IMF's originator list. They have a SPAC deal that I think looks pretty unlikely to be completed. The likelihood of them going public, you know, most of the the analysts and experts that I speak to think is pretty low. They they need a home run. You know, they need a grand slam. Maybe this is it, you know, and, and if they can use this, um, you know, the, they call it the Tin Man, tin man uh, <laughs> uh, platform. If, if it really is the real deal um, and they can partner with real estate agents, they can partner with other mortgage lenders, you know, to use that as the platform, maybe better ends up, you know, being one of the winners of, you know, the, the kind of mortgage tech revolution that, that some talked about, uh, willing it to exist in, uh, you know, the early 2020s. So I, I think that would be pretty cool. But um, keep in mind, like there are a lot of other mortgage companies that have a ton of money that also use machine learning, you know, in their underwriting and, uh, you know, processing, um, you know, 
origination work. So Better's not the only one out there doing this kind of work. Maybe they do have, you know, the the iPhone of you know of mortgage here, uh, or you know whatever you know the, the great invention that revolutionized the printing press of mortgage, right? But um, I think you also have to take, given their history, everything with a little bit of a grain of salt. We will definitely keep an eye on better and technology in general. Another big story this week, so many, was that we had a pretty major move from Loan Depot to Revolution Mortgage. Um, obviously, that you know, we we cover the fact that Brian Covey, who is a very well known kind of influencer in the mortgage space, moved from Loan Depot to Revolution at the end of uh, 2022, and now we have one of their top producing teams uh, going over. Tell us about that story. Yeah, so we've got about 25 people from. Loan depots, if, if they're not the top producing team, they're definitely way up there. Uh, and this is an originations team in, in sort of the, the Washington, Idaho area. And they're going to be reuniting with, uh, with Brian at Revolution Mortgage, which is more of kind of a, you know, a direct lender that, that is really trying to, to, to gain market share in a challenging market right now. And so this is a pretty interesting one. You know, we've talked about other top teams moving and, um, you know, the, the complications and, and the reasons why they move. And, um, you know, I, I think this one is is especially juicy. So Stacey Chevalier, uh, she's the former area manager for uh, this team in, uh, in the Pacific Northwest. And she had a team of about 55 employees, including LOs, LO assistants, you know, branch sales, marketing managers. And they did about $1.8 billion in sales volume in 2021. And so, uh, according to, to Stacy, this was the most profitable team for Loan Depot, and, and they did the most closing volume, most units, most revenue. And she left in January, and she went over to Revolution. And at that point, according to sources, uh, Loan Depot gave the remaining team that was there an ultimatum and said, you know, either <laughs> either you join a new team or you leave. And, and so Stacy estimates that about 80% of that 55 person team are going to end up uh, joining her at revolution. And so this is a big, a big, uh, a big get for, for Brian Covey and, and uh, the folks at revolution. And, you know, when, when we spoke to Brian last time, he basically cited a desire to move away from kind of the more cookie cutter, you know, non-personalized model to work at a company where really the lender, uh, allows the LOs to call more of the shots and to kind of dictate their sales process. Um, almost like a little bit like how side does it on the real estate side, you know, or in, in some ways compass where they, they basically say like, we're not going to try to like control your message and control, like, you know, your brand, you know, your, you know, you know, your, your clients, you know how to do it. And so we want you uh, to do what you do best. And that's, that's originate mortgages. So, this is also an interesting one because, you know, Loan Depot struggles have been pretty well documented. They exited the wholesale space. They've lost a lot of money. Um, things looked pretty bleak when we last checked in with Loan Depot, I believe, at the end of the third quarter. And um, their projections for the fourth quarter in origination volume were down to something like, I don't have it in front of me, but it was like $6 billion. I mean, that's, that is paltry for a company of that size, you know, like I've always thought of Lone Depot as like 
like like perennially a top five lender, you know, and and what number two, number three in retail, you know, like huge, huge company. And they've made a lot of layoffs. They've uh kind of repositioned themselves. They've um, you know, really they've had a lot of reorganizations. They've had a lot of people who have had four or five different bosses in the last year. Um, we, we get a lot of messages from people who are still at Loan Depot and those who have left who have complained about um, just kind of the chaos. You know, and I think whenever a company, and, and this is not to, to dog on, on Loan Depot, whenever you cut thousands of people at a company, there is going to be some chaos. If you're a company of 50 and you cut 29 people, there's always going to be chaos, right? Like it's unavoidable right. and the business just wasn't there to support that many mouths. So I, I think people in mortgage especially know that because it is such a cyclical business, but that doesn't necessarily make your life better. You know, like like knowing that, oh, this is something that happens in mortgage doesn't mean you just say, well, here's my situation. Here's my story. I guess I'll just go to work the next day and, you know, deal with it. Some people said, I'm going to look at other opportunities. I'm going to go elsewhere. Or they got fired, not fired, excuse me, laid off. Um, and so, you know, Loan Depot, there are a lot of smart people who work there. They have a lot of great marketers. They have really seasoned executives. They have a plan. They are, um, you know, reorganizing to fight another day to some extent. Um, you know, they're launching new products. They're trying new things. I, I think, you know, people should give them credit for not just trying to, you know, ram the, the square peg into the round hole. You know, they're definitely um, looking toward a different market and right sizing to meet the conditions that exist today. But yeah, it's it's not going to be an appealing place for some people. And so when you have a rival like Revolution or, you know, Lone Depot's lost people to Guild, they've lost people to cross country. I mean, they've lost people to the broker space. I'm talking about the the more kind of like LO origination side of things. Um, those are the consequences of making those business decisions. And it's not exclusive to Lone Depot either. You know, plenty of other lenders have also made very significant cuts and, and you know, confronted questions about how to reorganize, how to keep people happy, keep people motivated, keep people interested, keep people competent, right? You, you need to keep enough people with institutional knowledge. You need to keep enough people who know how to do a complicated loan if you happen to get one in your pipeline, right? So it's not easy. It's definitely not easy. But in a market like this, people are going to take opportunities when they find them. And uh, I, I think that's really what the story is about. And, and it's a big, big get for revolution which is still comparatively a pretty small lender. It is. And it's another uh, sign that they're, you know, they're taking this really seriously and and going after some of the the top performing teams or, you know, I, I don't know, going after, but, you know, these things happen uh, as they do. But I think it's really interesting. We're going to be looking at Revolution going forward as well as all of these lenders. That's what we do. We love to look at the real estate and uh, mortgage space and give information that people need. James, thank you so much for being on amazing. And we will have you on again next week. Uh, no, you won't actually, because I'll be in Puerto Rico, Sarah. Oh, I forgot. You will be in Puerto Rico. Congrats to you. That sounds like amazing, an amazing time and well-deserved time off for sure. Well, thank you so much. And I'll, I'll talk to everybody in a few weeks. 
Success might look different this year, but it's out there for those willing to work for it. That's why 2023's Gathering of Eagles will focus on forging opportunities, the perfect chance for industry leaders to take a proactive approach to continually move the needle in their businesses and the real estate industry at large. Gathering of Eagles will bring together the nation's top residential real estate CEOs, presidents, and C-level leadership teams to grow, network, and set the pace for what's next in our industry. 2023's GOE is at Omni Barton Creek Resort in the rolling hill country of Austin, Texas from June 18th until the 21st. Learn more and register your spot on the events page at realtrends.com. And we can't wait to see you in Austin. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.